by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I think I had entitled today's message, Part 2, The Power of the Shout, but I switched it to Part 2, Hold My Mule. <laughs> Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 14 Zephaniah three fourteen says sing O daughter of Zion shout aloud if you didn't bring your shout today you're just going to get left out that's all it is to it the Lord gave us all shouting songs about shouting the power of the shout and here in Zephaniah, the prophet says, Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel. He's telling a whole nation to shout aloud. He says, be glad, be glad and rejoice with all your heart. Isn't that what a shout does? It takes what's all in your heart. If, if your heart is full of something, then the shout is going to come out. So if you, if you don't have a shout here today, i got to ask you, what's your heart full of? What is your heart full of? Because it's, if it's full of joy of the Lord, then you got to shout. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. For the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will disperse the armies of your enemy. Aren't you glad Jesus came in and removed your sin debt? And told the devil to take a hike out of your life. Gave you authority over him. And it says the Lord himself, the king of Israel, will live among you. And not only did he live among them in the Old Testament when Zephaniah wrote this. He lives in us in the New Testament. We are the Ark of the Covenant now. We are the temple of God. The presence of the, the living God now dwells within us. If that ain't shouting material, I don't know what is. It says, at last your troubles will be over, and you will never again fear disaster. You say, well, my troubles ain't over yet. Well, maybe that's when we get to heaven. But the good news is, we're going to heaven. The good news is, there is coming a day where there will be no more tears, no more sorrow. No more sickness, no more disease, no more bickering and fighting, no more Republican and Democrat. <laughs> Y'all sure a quiet church today. I wonder how many Bama fans were so quiet last night when they scored that touchdown in the third quarter to take the lead. I, I bet they stood in front of their TV and they gave a little quiet golf clap. They were so dignified. Oh, oh goodness, oh gracious, uh, my team had just took the lead. I, I hear somebody, now see, I finally woke somebody up back there. So, somebody finally shouted hallelujah with some enthusiasm about Alabama.
But anyway, I, was, I got to thinking about that hold my mule joke. How many remembers I told the hold my mule joke? Anybody remember that joke? I know I've told it at least five or six times. <laughs> and I said, I can't tell that joke again, Lord. But you know what? I love that joke. And it's funny to me every time I tell it. Can I tell it again? Because it's so relevant. It's so true. Okay. How many says I can tell the joke? One, two, three. I see, I, I see y'all with your hands down. I'll turn, I'm here. <laughs> I didn't see your hand, Nicholas. <laughs> okay. There you go. All right. So we got two hands back here. All right. So the joke goes like this. There's this little small town church, and they got everything the way they want it. They have little quiet services, last 45 minutes. They sing a few hymns. Preacher says a, a word, and they get out of there, and they try to act dignified in church. Well, this new guy moves into town, Farmer Brown. He buys 40 acres outside of town. He begins to farm out there, and he comes and joins the church. The only problem is, is Farmer Brown, every time he hears the preacher start preaching from the Word of God, he gets a little excited. He may say, preach it, preacher. One time he may jump up and say, hallelujah. The problem is, is when they sing this, the hymns at the beginning, everybody else is sitting there, amazing grace, singing under their breath like their gr mama told them to and how their grandmama told them to. How sweet. And, you sound, and they're all listening for the church mouse, you know. Well, not Farmer Brown. He's amazing grace. He can't sing a lick, but he don't care. He's expressing his heart during the worship. He's liable to jump up at any time and do a dance for Jesus. And the congregation is like, oh, no. What is going on? There's wildfire in the church. we got to put this out. So the the elders and the board of deacons and the whole church got together and they voted and they said, Pastor, you got to go talk to Farmer Brown. He's making our church look undignified. So the pastor says, okay, I'll go over there this afternoon. So that Sunday afternoon, the pastor went to his house, walked outside of town, knocked on his door, and there was no answer. He walked around the side of the porch and he looked back on the back 40 there and he was out there plowing his field with his mule. So the pastor walked back here. He's coming across, walking over the dirt. Uh, Farmer Brown, could I talk to you? And Farmer Brown looks up and says, Pastor, what are you doing here? So good to see you. You come to my house. I'm so excited to have the pastor here. And the pastor says, well, sir, uh, I got some news for you. The church is a little upset the way you've been so demonstrative. The way you cry out in church, it's, we feel like it's disrespectful, and the church would like to ask you to tone it down, uh, to, to just be quiet and fit in with everybody else. And Farmer Brown is, he's shooken a little bit, and he, I'm sorry, Pastor, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know that was what we were supposed to do. Uh, I don't really mean, you know, I'm not normally just a loud person, but, it, but Pastor, when you get behind that pulpit and you open the Bible, and you begin to tell me about how Jesus died on the cross, and he took my sin dead, and it just makes me feel free, and, and it, it talks about how he's got a plan for my life, and how he loves me, and how he went to the cross for me, and, and, and 
you, you get to talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how he sent his spirit to live in us. And you, you talk about well, my life and what it could become. And, and then you talk about heaven, Pastor. You start saying that there's no more tears and I'm going to get to be with God and sing with the angels. And Here, hold my mule, Pastor. I got to shout. <laughs> Glory. Hallelujah. And Farmer Brown begins to shout. And I love that joke. It's funny to me every time. But the question is, are you going to be the one shouting or are you going to be the one holding a mule? <laughs> Do you want to be the one left holding a mule? Or do you want to be the one shouting? You know, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, riding on the little donkey. They were shouting so loud that the whole city was in an uproar. Hosanna in the highest, O son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were laying down their coats and shouting and laying the palm branches down. And the, it woke up the Pharisees, who's probably taking a nap in the sanctuary. They ran out there and said, Jesus, you need to quieten these people down. This is undignified. Jesus said, if they don't cry out, the very rocks in the ground will cry out and shout my praises. Is somebody else going to have to do your praising down here on the earth? You're going to be left holding the mule when Jesus comes back? I don't know, but I want to give him my all. If I got a shout in my heart, he deserves it. The shout in my heart is because he deserves it. In Ezra chapter 3, I think it is, they're rebuilding the temple after Jerusalem had been ransacked by the Babylonians and the walls flattened and the town burned and Solomon's temple that, that God had helped Solomon build, that beautiful place lined with solid gold and all the things. It was just the most elaborate, lavish temple ever built in the earth. Solomon had built for God. But because they had gotten away from God, they had lost their shout as a nation, allowed the Babylonians to come in and ransack the city and run off with all the, the treasures of, the, of God's temple. But you know the story. We've talked about it many times. Nehemiah came in. He said, we got to rebuild Jerusalem many years later. Now it was the Persians that was in charge. And Nehemiah got uh, an okay from the king to go in and rebuild the walls. But while Nehemiah was sent to rebuild the walls, there was a priest named Ezra that God sent to rebuild the temple. And they began to lay the foundation of the temple in Jerusalem, a new temple. Of course, they didn't have the finances that Solomon had back in the day. But it says in chapter 3, that once they finished the foundations of the new temple, that the people begin to shout. They begin to shout glory. They shouted so loud that the people in the surrounding hillsides were wondering what was going on in this new little town that they were rebuilding called Jerusalem. But it also says that there were new priests there building the foundation. And they were the ones shouting. They were so excited about what God was doing in their midst. They were like, yes, man, we're ready to do our part in our generation. We've built a new temple. 
We're building something for God. But it also says that there were the older priests who had seen the glory of Solomon's temple. And it says they were shouting in a different way. They were weeping. This is nothing compared to the temple that we had before. This is an embarrassment, this little thing that we're doing here. And they were shouting and weeping at the same time, mixed with the shouts of joy from the new priest. And I thought, you know, we got a lot of new priests in, in our congregation these days. A lot of people that weren't with us back in the glory days when we had that big building over on Colonial Hills. They didn't see back when we were running 400 when I started at the church. They didn't see the glory of old. And they're excited about what we're doing here today. Maybe you've been here through it all like, like me. But I would rather not weep over what used to be, but be excited about what God's doing now. God is doing a new thing in the earth. And it says the latter rain shall be better than the former rain. Don't despise small beginnings. This church ain't full. Last year at this time, we, were, we had all those chairs out. And we was, we was at times building back up. We were getting towards 150 people in the sanctuary. That may sound small to you know a lot of churches or whatever. But for us, that was on the way. To, to being ready to move into a bigger place and to enjoy the promises that God has made us. But here today, through coronavirus and every obstacle that we've suddenly faced, the, the seats that we have out are not filled. There's social distancing and, and masks and challenges. But oh, we still need to shout. Because I see some things going on right now that weren't going on back when there was 125, 150 in here. I see some things going on under the surface. I see these new priests excited about what will be. Excited to do their part in their generation. No matter what happens in the past. It's one thing I do forgetting the past. Paul says, I press on toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's a mark for us as a church moving forward. So don't shout and weep over what used to be. Keep your eyes ahead because God is going to do a bigger thing. I really believe it with all my heart. Loving God is too emotional to keep pinned up on the inside. Maybe that's what's wrong with some of you. That's why your face looks so disfigured. You're trying to hold it in. You're thinking you're supposed to be dignified in church. Dignified is about you. Sanctified is about Him. I shout all the time around here, as you can tell. <laughs> my, my preaching now is beginning to be a shout fest. I can't help it. How do you preach the good news quietly? I just can't do it. If you can't tell, I get so excited. I'm so worked up by the time. I'm sweating right now. I shout in this building when nobody else is here. I walk around. I, 
just working on this message, I would come out in the sanctuary and shout to God. You wonder why none of our neighbors in the building come to our church. They think I'm crazy. I've invited them. Last week, we discovered how to pull victory out of impossibility. You remember? We talked about them crossing through the Red Sea when it looked hopeless. We're, we're in a series where we're talking about how the battle is the... Come on, help me. The battle is the... The battle is the Lord's. That's the foundational scripture that we must understand. That if God be for you, who can ever be against you? Is God for you? That's the thing I struggle with sometimes. My old religious way of thinking, I'll be, something happened bad to me or something, I'm thinking, Lord, are you punishing me? God, are you doing this or whatever? And I begin to say, okay, I'm going to endure it patiently or whatever because God's doing, wait a minute. I'm forgetting that God is for me. That I can, I can fight the good fight of faith. I can believe for my healing. I can believe for my deliverance. He's on my side. If we don't understand he's on our side, then we don't know how to pray right. He showed you how on your side he was when he forgave your sins by sending his son to die on your cross. How much more could he do to possibly show you his love? Jesus said, I love you this much. He's on your side and of God before you. Who can ever be against you? We need to pray from an understanding that God wants to help. He's willing to help. He's already given you the city, but you've got to shout for it. You've got to provide the faith to receive it. The promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. But they're, ah, they're accessed through faith. That you believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He wants to reward you. I don't know where I got off on all that, but we've been talking about being walled in in 2020, right? hemmed in. It seems like everything we try, the door is shut before us. And I said, I believe that God is in this. I don't know if God is doing this. The devil is, is doing something, but I know God's always ten steps ahead of the devil. And, and God is in this. And I believe we're in a season right now where we can't get out and do the things that we must do. But, but in the meantime, we need to be stirring ourselves up in our most holy faith. We need to be praying Without ceasing. We need to learn to worship. And today we're going to talk about learning to get out your faith through your shout. We need to be more vocal about what we believe. Through God's word, the worlds were framed. Through his spoken word, through what comes out of your mouth is what matters. You're saved by confession. So today we're going to talk about how to shout our walls down. And you know the story of Jericho. Last week we talked about Moses, how he brought him through the Red Sea. 
So they, they made it through the Red Sea. They sang a song on the other side. But they let that fade. And they got out there in the wilderness. And when things got tough, they began to complain again. They complained. That, let me just say this. Nothing you do will ever succeed if everything coming out of your mouth is complaining. God finally got so tired, they sent 12 spies in to spy out the promised land. Ten of them come back complaining. No, we can't do it. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. They're giants. We can't do it. Only Caleb and Joshua were the ones who came back with a good report. You remember that? And because the people turned against God and said, you can't do it. God, you're not big enough to bring us into the promised land. He said, okay, well, then you'll just die out here in the wilderness. So they circled the wilderness for 40 years. Instead of going into their promise. I'm just telling you right now from the start. If you don't learn to watch your mouth. You're not going to enjoy any of the promises of God. So the older generation dies off. Those, those priests that are complaining. Oh this little temple. This little thing we got. That didn't have the right shout. They died off in the wilderness. They never made it to the promised land. But when they were gone and the only two remaining out of them were who? Joshua and Caleb, the two that had come back with a good report. They lived long and they were able to see the promised land. Well, Moses died right before they got to the promised land and God made Joshua the leader of the people. And when they got to the Jordan, which was the gateway to the promised land, it was swollen at flood stage. And once again, the people were like, how are we going to get across? Somebody probably remember back. You remember God parted the Red Sea? I imagine he could do a river. <laughs> and sure enough, God told Joshua what to do. And they put the Ark of the Covenant, put their toe or their foot in that Jordan River, and it parted. And once again, the people of Israel walked through on dry ground into the promised land. And you think, all right, we got all the promises of God. Yeah, we're in the promised land. No more work to be done. We're here. But it wasn't like that, was it? The promised land was inhabited. Cities that were supposed to be prepared for God's people were still inhabited with these giants, with these heathens, these ungodly people that God wanted to destroy. What's the first thing they do when they get in the promised land? God says, Joshua, all these men that you have with us today have not yet been circumcised. Why am I walking like this? No. <laughs> Grown men hadn't been circumcised. God says, we've got to take care of that. Back before anesthesia, is that the right word? <laughs> anesthesia, is that the right word? <laughs> yeah. Before pain, but not this, they didn't have Tylenol. They had a flint knife. They didn't even have stainless steel. <laughs> and they went to business. And every man was circumcised says they sat around for weeks healing why do I mention that because if you're going into the promised land circumcision 
Let me ask you this first. Have you been circumcised? You say, what are you looking at, Pastor? I'm a woman. <laughs> circumcision that God talks about, it was pointing towards the circumcision of the heart, not the circumcision of the flesh. It was just a symbol. And it's the cutting away of that which is doing you no good, that is actually causing you to not go forward. So when you, you walk through on dry ground and you get into the promised land, you see that there's a fight to be done, and you can't fight this fight still dragging your desires and your ways of your past. You've got to cut them off. If we're going to go as a church into our promised land and begin to take the ground that God wants us to take as a church, we got to cut off the dead things of the past. And if you're going to do that in your personal life, you can't keep dragging your old Playboy magazines with you every house you live in. Well, you know, smoking a little weed never hurt nobody. You're going to drag that into your Christianity. You're going, well, I drink, I'd only drink on the weekends. Is it worth your witness? Can, if Jesus came back, would you offer him a beer? I'm just saying. We're going to have to be serious and we're going to have to cut off some dead things from our life. So the Israelites, they're healing. It sounds like 2020 to me. They've been in the wilderness for a long time, and now they're hurting, trying to get back on their feet. Things ain't looking good. They look up, and there's this first city that they're supposed to conquer, and it's got these huge walls all the way around it. I mean massive walls. The people are sitting up on top of the wall saying, we got the doors locked, ain't nothing y'all can do. Y'all better move on. They was cocky. They wouldn't, they wouldn't even probably, you know, they thought that them walls gave them the victory. And the Israelites could have looked up and said, oh, we're in trouble. We're hurting. We've been in the wilderness for 40 years. I don't know if we got the strength to go on. And then God talks to Joshua. I'm trying to paint a picture here. Are you understanding that we're broke down right now? Not all our people are even able to make it right now to church. We're still worried about if we're going to get this virus. We're still in fear of the battles that lay ahead. It ain't looking so promising right now. But God spoke to Joshua, and he said, Joshua, here's what we're going to do. I told you God always has a plan. He says we're going to take the Ark of the Covenant we're going to put seven priests in front. We're going to give them ram's horns, and they're going to blow those horns. And you're going to put the, the army men in front, and they're going to lead around the city once a day for six days, blowing the ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're going to go around the city seven whole times. Then they're going to blow a long shout or a long ram's horn, and then all the people are going to shout because I've given them the city. See, God already said, I've given you the city. The city is as good as theirs right now. The deed is in their pocket. Do you know the deed can be in your pocket, but you never move in? So 
So Joshua goes and tells the people God's plan. Joshua, wait a minute, dude. I don't see how that's going to work. We're just going to shout. Look, I know you think you're hearing from God. But look, me and the fellows over here, we've got this idea. We're going to put our archers over here on this side. We're going to shoot flaming arrows in. And we're going to build a, a dirt ramp up the side over on this side while they're not paying attention. And then we're going to have our other guys with battering rams. And we're going to knock through the, the city gates. Now, I don't know if that really happened, but you can imagine. They're thinking, walk around the city blowing a horn. Okay. Joshua, you done lost your man. Joshua said, this is what we're fixing to do. We're going to trust God. We're going to do it God's way. How many of you know that God's way don't always make sense? Most of the time, it's just a test to see if you have faith enough to have obedience. All he wants is you to say, yes, sir. God could have blew the walls down. What a... But this is your fight. He's not going to do all the fighting for you. He wants to know if you're going to be, you're going to be in order, you're going to have obedience. You're going to do what he says. Okay, fine. And then Joshua adds this one on his own. God didn't tell him to add this one. But because he heard, probably heard them murmuring and complaining, he said, oh, yeah, and y'all just shut up. I don't want to hear y'all murmuring and complaining every day as we walk around. Oh, my bunions is hurting. My leg is hurting. Oh, I don't know why we get, it's hot out. Can't we walk in the afternoon? You know, just always something. Always something. He said, don't say a word. Don't say a word, because he knew what complaining would do. He done spent 40 years of his life because of them other guys complaining. He didn't want no more complaining. So Joshua said, don't say a word until it's time to shout. How many of you have learned that it's better just not to say nothing if you ain't got something good to say? Boy, it says even a fool appears wise if he keeps his mouth shut. I'm still working on that one. So they do what God says. They get up early the first morning. They put the seven priests with the horns in front of the ark. And they put the fighting men in front and back because there were so many of them. It's like two million of them. And they go around, walk around this city. I don't know how long it took them. Probably an hour or so. It wasn't a big city, just walled city. They walked around and then the they was blowing the horns the whole time, and let's go back home. They went back to their camp. They slept. They got up, did it again the next day. I imagine about the fourth or fifth day, somebody's saying, this ain't working. We, I'm sorry, but we just need to, we, I'm going to sleep late today. Y'all go walk around the city if you want to. A lot of people drop off because they don't have patience to see God's work through. A lot of people that's supposed to be with this church knows that they've prayed for our success and knows that, they, that, that we've been promised things. They just couldn't be patient enough to walk around the city. They had to go. I, I got to go find somebody to get it, the job done quicker. I'm going to go with another company that, that'll do something different. 
But they walked around the city. They held together. They kept their mouth shut. And it says on the seventh day, they, got, they left at dawn. I mean, they had been getting up early, but they knew they had to go seven times around today. And they walked around that city seven times, blowing that ram's horn. And then when those priests had finished the seventh lap, they blew a loud blast. And Joshua said, come on, everybody, shout for your victory, for God has given you the city. And they lifted up a shout that could be heard for miles around, along from the depth of their heart. I've been waiting for this. This is my hour. This is my time. We're fixing to enter into the promises of God right now. And I'm going to shout. And they shouted, and the walls fell flat. They didn't fall out. They didn't fall in. They fell flat. And the Israelites were surprised. And the Jerichoans were surprised. And they were still, I bet the, the people inside the walls was, what just happened? <laughs> and that's the devil's typical response after he fights with the Lord. What just happened? And they rushed in, and they won the victory, and they took the city. And what did it? Trusting in God. And God told them to shout. I wrote down the keys, some of the keys, to busting down the walls in your life. Order. You got to have order. God is a God of order. He told Jesus told him to sit down in companies of in circles of fifty when he fed the the multitude. You remember? He likes order, so he set them up. He certain amount of priests, the ark, the people. How many times around? God is a God of order, and He set the order, and they followed the order. Then once I, well, like I said, they had to have patience. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be entire and wanting nothing. There's seed and then there's time and then there's harvest. You have to be patient for the, the seed to, to turn into a, the corn stalks and produce the fruit, right? You can't just dig up your seed because you're impatient. You have to be obedient. You've got to do what God says. What would have happened if they had got the archers out and they'd have just some of them said, We're just gonna do this ourselves? They would have got soundly defeated. And then fourth and last that I want to mention is unity. They stuck together. Half of them didn't run off. They were in one mind and one accord, one heart. That's the that's the way God likes his church. Not that we all think exactly alike and have all the same ideas, but that our heart is all turned towards the same God and His same great commission and His same great commandments. Isn't our church set up for victory? Aren't we doing these things? I think we are. You remember in 2018, the Lord told me it was a year of revelation. He was going to explain his plans. 
just like he did to Joshua. 2019 was a year of preparation. That was the year we began to implement life groups. That was the year we put into practice the next step classes. That was the year we, we began to see how the wheel works and God began to give us revelation of everything that we're trying to accomplish here so when, the, when we do win the victory and the people start to come, we're ready. There's, there's branches to support the new fruit. You understand? So 2019 was a year of preparation. We, we put everything, we prepared. Does anybody remember what 2020 is supposed to be? You've been listening. That's good. It's kind of been heartbreaking up until this point. I'm thinking, would I miss it, Lord? But no. With my last breath, I still believe 2020 is our year of manifestation. I believe it. I believe we're about to see the walls come down. Walls that we have prayed against, fought against, believed that we that promise behind those walls were ours for so long. I believe those walls are coming down, and I believe they're coming down this year. But we've got to stop talking defeat. We've got to get a new shout. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. You can look at your life and you're most likely enjoying the fruit of your tongue right now. You talk lack and poverty. You talk sickness. You talk disease. More than you talk my deliverer and my healer. Then you're probably walking in well short of God's promises for your life. You're speaking the, the problem instead of answer to your problem. <clears throat> our shout is an expression of what we believe in our heart. If your heart is full, it's going to come out. If you love Alabama, you're going to shout when they score. you love the Dallas Cowboys, you're going to shout when they only lose by 20. <laughs> no, I just threw that in for Ricky. I just, just tease him. <clears throat> There's a guy named Jim Reich, and he writes this. The power of an anointed shout will bring breakthrough, deliverance, provision, answers. And then he wrote this manifestations he said it puts the demons on the run it puts the demons on the run when you shout you tired of them stealing from you robbing from you your joy your peace your money your kids we got to get our shout back church how many members blind Bartimaeus Jesus and his entourage is walking through and there's a blind man named Bart. He's sitting on the side of the road and he hears that Jesus is coming through and he begins to shout, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
The people says, shut up, man. What are you doing shouting? You're going to embarrass our town. As this man of God walks through, once again, the Pharisees right on the job to keep your shout down. If you study the story out in Mark chapter 10, do you know where this takes place? It's right outside the walls of Jericho. He said, I thought the walls of Jericho came down way back in the days of Joshua. It did. And Joshua even prophesied that whoever rebuilds his walls will do so at the, the expense of their firstborn son. And if you look later on in Scripture, you see that somebody rebuilt the town of Jericho and put the walls back up and their firstborn son died. But now we're in Jesus' day. And Jericho was part of Israel. And Jesus is walking by, and this blind beggar is yelling, and they're telling him to be quiet, but he yells all the louder. And if somebody's telling you to keep it down, you need to yell all the louder about your Lord and Savior. What would have happened if he wouldn't have got Jesus' attention? If blind Bart would have sat over there and they told him to be quiet, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know it's, I'll just, I'll just keep it down. Jesus, hey, hey, dude, hey, Jesus. He can't even see. He don't know where he's at. He don't even know how to wave to him. Jesus is walking through with his whole entourage. He ain't going to hear that. Would Jesus have stopped? Why did Jesus stop? This man was shouting. This man had a shout. There was something in his heart that didn't come out quiet. Didn't come out dignified. There was a certain desperation in blind Bartimaeus that said, I got to have what is mine. And I won't be denied. And he shouted. And Jesus said, what can I do for you, Bart? He said, that I might have my sight, Lord. And he gave him his sight. And Bartimaeus began to follow Jesus. And he became part of the entourage. Isn't that a wonderful story? The devil would love to keep our church a quiet little church mouse church. Where everybody's listening for the church mouse. He would love to keep our shout suppressed. He loves to intimidate you into to losing your joy. He loves to, because your, your shout is a battle cry. It sends shivers down the devil's spine. It's a weapon of spiritual warfare. Your shout is important. Your shout is so important. That's why I've learned to go ahead and shout because I just can't keep it down. And I don't want to. I don't want to get up to heaven and say, God, I, I tried to keep it down while I preached. No wonder King Jehoshaphat put the praisers out front when they went to battle. <laughs> no wonder we begin our service with praise and worship, an opportunity for you to shout off all the distractions of the week. And to let Jesus see what's in your heart. The music is loud for a reason so that you can be buried within it. And we can all come together and lift up a wonderful, glorious praise and shout to our Lord. Together. You can see I shout all the time. I shout because somebody got saved at the jailhouse Sunday night. That makes me shout. I shout. I shouted when 
Brother Joe got behind this pulpit a couple Sundays ago for his first Sunday sermon ever and preached the house of fire. It made me shout. I shouted when, when we introduced life groups last year and you guys embraced it and became part of it. And I see the fruit of it so beautiful already. People really know one another like they didn't before. And you know what else made me shout? When Nicholas and Mary said, Pastor, you put us in charge of the life groups. We got it. You don't have to watch over us like a hawk. You don't have to micromanage. We're going to do the bulletin board. We're going to do the launch. We're going we're to train the life group leaders. We're going to watch it day by day. And I said, whew, thank the Lord. Because there was a time when I was having to do everything. But now the leaders, the leaders of our, our ministries within the church, they're taking ownership. They're praying for their, their ministry and they're, they're implementing things that God put in their heart. And they're not coming to me to ask, can they do everything? I'm not micromanaging. I'm not a funnel. They're, they're wide open. If God tells them to do it, they do it and then they ask for forgiveness later. <clears throat> I'm just here to keep us all on the same page. There's a freedom in this place. And some of you are wondering where you can use your gifts and talents. You get plugged into a, a passion team somewhere and you work your way into where you're supposed to be. And you, you find freedom. I, want, I tell our leaders, you know, listen to your people. Your opinions matter here. That makes me want to shout. Such freedom in this place that our leaders understand what we're going after. I shout that we're still together after 2020 when many churches hadn't survived as well. I want to shout every time I hear a miracle that God has done in your life. When you call me up and say, Pastor, you prayed for me and my bunions is doing better. Pastor, my back ain't hurting. Pastor, my kids is coming with me Sunday to church. Pastor, I didn't know how I was going to pay the bills. But there was a check in the mailbox. I celebrate. There's so much to shout about. You can just look at the negative side of everything if you want to. You can just talk negative if you want to. But if you'll learn to shout, it'll change how your things come out. I know I'm going to shout when I pass this kidney stone. <laughs> I hope I don't shout before. <clears throat> In a different way. <laughs> Troy says I'm going to do a pee pee dance when it comes out. <laughs> I, I don't know what a pee pee dance is. He said he, he's had a lot of kidney stones. He said uh, you're going to be shouting. When, you're going to be so happy you're going to do a pee pee dance. I don't know what a pee pee dance is. <laughs> but I can't wait to do mine. You know, only one of the ten lepers came back. But it says he came back and praised God with a loud voice. Can I do any less after all God's done for me than to come back and praise God with a loud voice? I know some of your personalities is like, that's just not me. There's something makes you shout. If it's your kids or something. So I wanted to do a Shabbat praise before we leave today.
A shabak is a Hebrew word. It says it means to praise in a loud voice. Many of you have been here when we've done a shabak praise. I'll count to three, one, two, three, and we'll shout as long and as loud as we can, usually hallelujah or glory to God or whatever God puts on your heart. It's a praise to God. It's for as long and as loud, as much breath as you and much oomph that you can get out of these vocal cords. You're just letting it out. Some of you get nervous right now. But look, let me tell Everybody else is going to be doing it. So you're just going to look silly if you're not doing it. Okay, but let me tell you why we're going to do it. Because I want you to think about your life right now and promises that God has made to you. Things that you, you have not seen come to pass yet, and you know that there's something blocking it. You know that there's a wall. You know that there's an enemy there. And we're about to send shivers up the devil's spine. We're about to shout walls down. What is it that you long for in your heart, in your personal life right now? Maybe you've got this illness that's just plaguing you. Maybe you're passing a kidney stone. Maybe, maybe you're nervous. Maybe there's stress in your life to the point you can't hardly take it anymore. Maybe it's financial. Maybe there's a promotion that there's this one guy that just keeps standing in the way of your promotion. Or there's this job that you want, but you, you can't get there from here, it doesn't seem like. But you know God wants you there. Why don't we shout for our victory? If God has promised it to you, he promised it. He said, this, shout because the city, I've given you the city. God has already promised it to you. The only thing standing between you and walking in over those walls that have been flattened is your shout. Because your shout is an expression of your faith. It may be the most important and powerful expression of your faith. What does it say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So stand to your feet. I was looking for a more enthusiastic bunch today, but... You know, this ain't the first time that I've had to plow through tough ground. And it won't be the last. Because I'm willing to do it. If I have to get over there and squeeze you in the abdomen and make the shout come out. <laughs> On the count of three, do, do you want victory? Yeah. Do you want it? Yeah. it? You ain't showing me. You're showing God how bad you want it. On the count of three, long and as loud as you can, let's wake these neighbors up and say we are the crazy church. <laughs> One, two, three. All right.
Now the second Shabbat praise is how long we fought together. This church is our charge from God. This is our rallying place. This is our station from which we launch discipleship. And our, our purpose in God comes through this church. And some of you have prayed so long and so hard. And let's pray the walls down for this church. Let's pray that God will use us as a group of people, as a body of Christ. Let's Let's shout for our church's victory on the count of three. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Victory is ours, Lord. We claim our victory. We claim our victory, Lord. Woo. Glory to God. You better get ready because heaven is full of shouting. 24-7, they're shouting, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. They're singing in celebration all the time. You can be quiet and dignified if you want to. You want to be dignified? I'll be intensified. You want to be dignified? I'll be satisfied. You want to be dignified? I'll be undenied. I will not be denied. I'm going to be unified, sanctified. I'll be chicken fried if I have to be. <laughs> they'll, think, they'll call me certified. But I'll be amplified and edified and unified. And you know why? Because I've been justified. I've been purified by the blood of my Lord Jesus Christ. Who came to my rescue when I was hopeless. And I want to speak to anybody in here today that doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or anybody on the live stream. I just want you to know that God loves you so much. How could, like I said, how could he express it any, any more intensely than to send his son to die and suffer the wrath for your sins? He loves you so much. You're running from him. He's not running from you. He has always loved you. He's always wanted to, to bring you into the family and to give you a hope and a future and to make your life begin to shine on this earth. He's always wanted that for you. And I know you've got sin in your life and you're doing bad and you think you're not worthy and you're not. But that's the point. You're saved by grace. That's something you don't deserve. By faith. He just asked you to put your trust in Jesus. Is there anybody in here who has put your trust in Jesus and wants to shout about it? Oh, glory! That's why your shout's important because the lost are looking to see if there's anything different in us. They're shouting about Alabama. But we... But we shouting about the Lord. So if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, hey, it's a coming to the end of yourself. It's a repentance. It's a turning away. From, it's a cutting away like a circumcision of your heart. You've got to repent and say, God, I turn from my sins. Repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus. And faith means you believe that he is the Lord Jesus. That he died on the cross. He was resurrected for you. And he was raised to a new life so that you can be too. And if you'll confess him with your mouth. Out loud. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He'll save you. And he wants to save you. 
Trust Him. Trust Him right now with all that you are. He created you. Don't run from Him any longer. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sins. Help me to live for you. Be the Lord of my life. Make my life count. I trust in you and in your grace alone. I now stand. You are my Lord. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. And another, another thing that we as Christians and you as Christians now, forgiven as you are, who said this prayer, you need God's Holy Spirit. He does want to live inside of you, not just be with you, but He wants to live inside of you so that He can help you have the power to overcome sin, have the power to live out your calling in this life. I'm talking to you. Some of us are weak and beggarly in the things of God. Our lives don't seem to be bearing out the promises of God. And we're not, we're not trusting the Holy Spirit. He is the power of God to give you life and life more abundantly. And we don't need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. God says, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? And so ask the Holy Spirit. Let's ask just wherever you are, lift your hands as a sign of surrender. So I can't do this, God, without you. I can't do this without you, Holy Spirit. I need your power in my life. The things that you're calling me to do are bigger than I can do in my own strength. I can't love people that don't love me without you. Help me to walk in the things of God, to walk in the Spirit where there's life and peace. And to get out of the flesh where there's only death, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh, anew. I surrender to you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.